Um, this morning, um, uh, I'm sure everybody looked into the mirror before you came to church. Did anyone not look into No, don't answer that. We don't want to know. We all woke up. We all looked into the mirror. And we wanted to make sure what we look like, we kind of know what we look like before we step outside the door. Guys, sometimes worse than women when it comes to the mirror, but we use the mirror. We shave, we fix our hair, we brush our teeth, put them in, whatever the case might be. You know, we, we, we go down that road. Ladies, use the mirror, checking for some new wrinkles, new blemishes. Maybe they weren't there last week. See if that extra chin is giving birth to another chin. And when we look and we see it, we, we kind of we get mad at the mirror, and we want to throw rocks at the mirror and break the mirror and say, you're lying to me. That's not what I look like. I read a story, and I've, said this, I've used this story before. A woman working outside in the garden with no makeup, and her hair's a mess, and, and she's out there working, and she's sweating, perspiring. And her boss's wife is start, pulls up to the drive, and uh, she looks and sees her, and, and she's going to visit her. And all of a sudden, she freaks out, and she panics. And so she drops her gardening tools, runs into the bathroom, puts on her makeup, false eyelashes and wig, looks in the mirror and says, now she's finally going to see the real me. See, a lot of times we're just like that. We worry about the outside, but we do little to take care of what's going on on the inside. We take all the appropriate steps to make sure we smell right, we look right, we're dressed appropriately, etc., and so on. But yet, we kind of ignore sometimes what really and actually is happening inside of our lives. And Paul is asking in the Word of God in, in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, He's asking this Corinthian church to look at themselves and really take a deep, good look at what's going on on the inside of their lives. And what he's saying to them really is don't be so concerned about what's going on outside of you and what, what's taking place outside in, in, in your life, but what's more important is what's happening on the inside. And so what Paul is doing is what we're going to be doing this morning is preparing for um, communion. And communion is a time when we look at what God's Word says concerning our lives and what's taking place and maybe those areas that we kind of need to make adjustments in. We know that there's no one perfect in this place. Do we have any perfect people here this morning? All right, we're all in the same place, and we're all doing good, and so we can all look at God's Word and uh, examine ourselves. And so that's the first point that I have is the exam. How many like examinations? Nah, we don't like it. You go to the doctor, we don't like examinations. You know, in school, if you're in school, everybody hates exams, final exams, whatever they might be. But they're, they're a necessary part of life. And so in 1 Corinthians, in chapter 11... In verse 28, Paul is writing to this church, and he, he's giving instruction, and he's saying, this is what really needs to take place. He writes, and he says there, but a man and woman must examine himself, and in so doing, 
he's to eat the bread and drink the cup. So in other words, he's talking about looking at yourself, taking care of what's going on inside before we take communion. For he who eats and drinks, eats and drinks judgment to himself if he does not judge the body rightly. For this reason, many among you are weak and sick and a number sleep. But if we judged ourselves correctly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with the world. And so what, what the Apostle Paul is, is saying is that because God's love is so good and gracious. How many know that's true this morning? God's love is good and God's love is gracious. And what he wants to do, is Paul is saying, is gives us an opportunity through the word of God to take a look and see what's going on inside and make some adjust, adjustments. Because when we do that, we bypass the judgment of the world. We bypass being judged by the world. And I know no one in here likes being judged. Have you ever been to court for a ticket or you've been to a court for some other issue? And, and, and don't you hate it when they're talking about you? And they're saying, they did this and they did that. And you want to just stand up and say, nah, shut up, you're wrong. Right? And he doesn't know what he's talking about or they're lying and then you're back and forth. We don't like being judged. And what the Apostle Paul is saying here, look, I'm giving you opportunity to begin to look inside your life, check it out, see what's up, and make the corrections, whatever they need to be. And so this morning, as we do prepare for communion, the most important part that we need to examine about ourselves is our spiritual condition. And is it what it needs to be? And as I said, no one's perfect. Nobody walks on water. Nobody sprouts wings every morning when you wake up. We all have our flaws. We all have our issues we have to deal with. But we still need to be, the key word, honest. Can you say that word with me, honest? Be honest with ourselves and, and, and look and, and say, okay, yeah, this is what I, I really do need to, to take care of in my life. What's going on on the inside? Because too many people get worried about outwardly things. People come to church. They hear the word of God. The word of God is likened to a mirror. We know that. James speaks about that. The book of James. The word of God is like a mirror. And when people come to church and they hear a sermon that's being preached, you know, sometimes they think that it, they're, they're speaking about somebody told them about me. You know, my cousin that invited me told him to talk about me or my, my, my sister who invited me to church. He's speaking and she must have told him about me. And that's not the case because it's God's word that exposes all of us. Isn't that right? And we're all in the same basket as it were. And God speaks to every single one of them. And the thing to do is to not get angry. Don't get mad. Don't get, don't, don't, don't get mad at the, at the word of God because all it's trying to do is to keep us from getting judged by the world and making worse mistakes than maybe we've already made in our lives. And so, um, you know, don't kill the messenger, especially me, right? It's just the word of God. That's, that's what it is. And so um, let the word of God expose those areas and, and let the areas be healed and let them be dealt with and instead of, you know, keep the mirror away from me. I don't, I don't want the mirror uh, anymore. Maybe if I don't look into the mirror, I won't see what, what it's showing me. And we don't do that. 
you know, sometimes people say ignorance is bliss. You know, what I don't know won't hurt me. But yet, the Scripture tells us that, that once we've been given information, even a little bit of knowledge concerning the Word of God, then we are responsible for that knowledge. We're responsible for that wisdom that God has given to us concerning His Word as it applies to our lives. So there's no just keeping the mirror away from me once you've already heard the Word of God. And so... Here, the church, we always hear, is like, it's a place, it's like a hospital for people who may be sick spiritually and obviously even physically. We, we believe in miracles in this church. We believe in praying for people who are sick, don't we? And we believe for God's healing power because that's what the Word of God says we're supposed to do as Christians, is believe the full gospel. And so we do that. But yet, there are folks who come in into the church and... Um, it's a place where people can be healed spiritually, and it's a place for self-evaluation, forgetting about your neighbor, your husband, your wife, your, your cousin, your in-laws, your outlaws, whoever, neighbors. You know, it's a time to look at me. It's a me time. It's a time for introspection, to, to look and see what is happening. In 2 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul writes in... Verse 5, again, because 1 Corinthians, he's given them the first message. Then he said, well, maybe you guys didn't hear me the first time, so I'm going to write you another letter. And I'm going to talk to you again. How many know sometimes we need things repeated? Right? <laughs> our, our children need to have things repeated to them sometimes two, three, four times, don't they? Yes, they do. And so we're God's children, and it's no different just because, you know, we're adults. We sometimes need to have things repeated to us. And Paul is doing that again in verse 5, 2 Corinthians 13. Test yourselves or examine yourselves to see if you are in the faith. Examine yourselves. Or do you not recognize this about yourself, that Jesus Christ is in you? unless indeed you fail the test. So scripture is there. The word of God is there. Jesus lives in us. He wants us to pass the test. God doesn't want you to fail. You know, too many times the devil lies and says, yeah, God doesn't care about your life. Do what you want. Doesn't matter what this is going on. Doesn't matter what's happening over here. God could care less about your life. But that's not what the Bible says. Over and over again, the Bible tells us through, the, through, through God's Word and His Holy Spirit that Jesus Christ lives in us and He does not want us to fail the test. And so He's given us the opportunity for the exam to take the test. And so what we need this morning, once we realize that, you know, life is a test. Every morning we get up. We have to decide whether we're going to pass certain tests of life. Are you going to pass the test of being lazy? Are you going to go to work? Are you going to pass the test of, of Sunday morning? Oh, this feels too good. I'm going to stay in bed and throw those blankets off and get ready and come to church. Every morning there's a test that's going on in our life. We have to face a, a someone at work. How are you going to deal with it? That's a test. You've got to face somebody, deal with something at school. It's a test. Life is full of tests. 
And God wants us to help, help us to pass those tests. And he especially, obviously, we're talking about inwardly and spiritually. So you know what that's going to take? It's going to take discernment. Discernment. Say that word with me. Discernment. Okay, all together. Discernment. That's, that's it right there. What does that word mean? Discernment. All it means simply the ability to judge correctly. That's what it means. It means to have perception, wisdom, and insight. So that's discernment, right? The ability to judge well or correctly, perception, foresight, wisdom, and insight. You see, too many times the world judges itself by itself. And sometimes we can, if we're not careful, get caught up in the way the world judges and the perceptions that the world says are okay and the insight that the world gives and the wisdom and, and we start to apply it to our lives and we judge ourselves by what the world says. Well, you know, they say that's okay, so it must be okay for me. And, the, you know, their perception of, of, of how I should live is so-and-so, so I should apply that to my life, and I'll be okay. The wisdom's world is fine for me, and so um, I'll, I'll be fine. But you see, the world's perception, judgment, wisdom is... Only superficial, isn't it? It's really only what's on the outside. That's what the world judges by. Isn't that true? We see that happening today. We see that taking place today in our world. Just what you look like, what, where you came from, etc., and so on. That's the world's perception of humanity. But listen to what uh, discern, that word means, coming from the original language, the Greek, listen to what it means, literally means to look through. Wow. To look through. So unlike the world, whose discernment only judges on the outside and what's going on on the outward things of life, and so you must be fine, God says we must learn to discern our lives and look past look through beyond the world's thinking, the world's wisdom, the world's ability, kind of judgment, and look through all that mess and see what God really says about. Because he created us. What God says about our spiritual condition. Discernment. Not only critical at a time like this when we come to church for communion, because that's what it's all about, but every single day that the Holy Spirit deals with us, right? Because that's what the Holy Spirit does. It convicts us of, of issues of sin or, or disobedience or areas in our lives. It, it shows us things. And, and those areas that we're trying to skate on and get by, the Holy Spirit said, nah, nah, nah don't do that. No, nope, that, that's not good. People call it conscience. But it's the Holy Spirit. That, that, that deals with, and so the Holy Spirit looks through all the garbage and junk of the world and all that its wisdom and says, no, 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 no. This is what you need to look at. This 
is how you need to judge yourself. That's real discernment. Now, James chapter 1 and verse 22. Now, James kind of gives us some wisdom because we need wisdom, folks, from God's word. We need to tap into that. That's, that's really critical and important because it's, it's God's word that gives you answers to life. Any situation you will find yourself in as a teenager, as a single, as a married person, uh, uh, whatever you might find, whatever's going on in your life, the answer's in God's word. James chapter 1, verse 22. James writes and says, do not merely listen to the word and so just deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror, and we talked about that, and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently, intently, into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in whatever he does. Wow. So, the question that we have to ask ourselves is that when we come to church and we, we hear God's word, what happens to it? What do we do with it? Is it something, well, we, you know, I did, my, I did my penance, I did my time, I, you know, you marked it off on the calendar, that Sunday's, I finished that one. Or do we intently or look through all the junk and start to let the Holy Spirit speak to our lives so that when we walk out of here after we've been shown by the Word of God, those areas that maybe need to be adjusted or left alone, or added, if that's the case. And then we do it. Monday comes, and we do it. Tuesday, Tuesday, we're doing it. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and so on. But too many times we walk out and forget what we heard. And the key thing is here, when a man looks at himself in the mirror intensely, that, that's a powerful word right there. Because when you stare at something intensely, you have a tendency not to forget. Have you ever done that? You looked at something so long that it's almost been kind of like taking a picture in your mind and you remember that thing for the rest of your life. That's what James is talking about. That's how we're supposed to listen to the word of God and hear the word of God and look at ourselves according to God's word. And the Bible says when you do that, blessing's going to come. How many want blessing in your life? I do. I want blessing in my life. I want blessing on my kids, my marriage, my life, whatever I do, ministry, etc., and so on. I want God's blessing. And when I do what God says I'm supposed to do, guess what? I'm going to be blessed. Are you blessed this morning? <laughs> and, and see, to assure the blessing of God in your life, here's what the Scripture says needs to happen. You see, we're, we use micro, microscopes and telescopes for everything. We want to see everything. We want to magnify things. We want to look at Mars. We want to go in the tunnels. We want to, you know, go beyond the moon and all these places to see what's happening. That's human nature. Because we, we can't see it just with a naked eye. We need help. 
And God gives us whom? The Holy Spirit. To help us to see those little areas in our lives that sometimes we make excuses for. God allows us to look through, like, you know, remember Superman in his eyes? Yeah. Right through the walls, right, except for lead. He couldn't see through lead. I don't know what was up with that. That was crazy. But anyway, he can look through everything else but except for lead. God, Holy Spirit, can look through lead. He's not limited by that. And so we need to allow the Holy Spirit to help us to see through all that stuff that we build up, the walls, the excuses we make, so that we don't allow ourselves to be exposed to what's really going on inside. Listen, Hebrews 4, Hebrews chapter 4. The writer of Hebrews kind of picks up the theme and speaks to us concerning God's Word. Because remember I, I talked about looking through, discern? We're talking about discernment. Discern what does what? It looks through, right? Beyond. It cuts right through everything. Here's the Word of God. For the Word of God, in verse 12, Hebrews 4, is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and piercing as far as the division of the soul and spirit of both joints and marrow, what's in the bone, life, and be able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are open and laid bare to the eyes of him with whom we have to do. Wow. Wow. <laughs> if I could use the word spooky, that would be a spooky, that's a spooky scripture. Because it gives us no leeway, basically, as to our life and our lifestyle. When it comes to the word of God, it, it just cuts right through and pierces uh, through all the, the, the excuses and all the things we try to, to say uh, it, it doesn't really matter because it says there is no creature hidden from his side. See, we have a tendency to overlook things we call all oh, those little small things that are offensive to the Lord. We kind of say, oh, those don't matter, those don't matter, you know, that's, that's no big deal. And we keep them deep down in dark places where, eh, that's cool. See, that's where God's word comes in. Because it goes right down to those little spots where we keep things buried, where we keep things hidden, where we think no one can see, which maybe probably no one can see, but our creator and the Holy Spirit are there. See, if we're not vigilant and watchful, and again, I'm not talking about perfection. Please, don't, don't say, well, pastor says, no, we have to be perfect. That's not what I'm saying, because we're not ever going to be perfect. But yet, let's not hide and pretend, because when we do, we lose out on the blessing of God. And you all said you want to be blessed. And so God already knows anyway, right? Right? God already sees it anyway. So why not just say, okay, God, it's me, convicted, you know, 90 days, whatever. Whatever I need to do, 
I come to the altar and confess, it's me, God. Get up and go back. Don't do it again. It's called repentance. And blessing will come into your life. And that's discernment. It's looking through all the garbage and saying, yep, it's me. Forget about, again, your neighbors, your husband. Oh, what about my husband? What about her? What about him? What about them? Forget about them. God's concerned about you, me, as individuals. Ephesians 5 and verse 8. For at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the world. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try, here's that word, to discern or judge what is pleasing to the Lord. So as we prepare for communion this morning, the place of communion, the Lord's Supper, is meant for us to focus on, yes, how God, His Son, Jesus Christ, sacrificed, gave His life for us, was beaten and broken for our sins, our iniquities. He shed His blood for our transgressions, the Bible says, and uh, gave us a way of redemption and salvation. Doesn't that give you a, a place to be excited this morning and a place uh, to worship and praise God because our sins have been forgiven. Uh, our name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life uh, and uh, one day we will be in heaven with Jesus. Amen. And that's the work of Calvary and this is what communion is all about that we acknowledge we acknowledge uh, that sacrifice through the blood that was shed on Calvary, through the bread that we take, the body that was broken, Jesus' body for our sins. And when we discern correctly about who we are and what's going on inside, when the Holy Spirit challenges us, it serves as an anchor in our faith. It brings justification. It brings us in a right relationship with Christ. It brings a freshness. Don't you feel good when you confess and you open up, God, forgive me, blah, 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 whatever the case may be. It's like, wow, I just took a nice bath. Because how many know we get dirty? Right? Did anybody not get dirty here? We all get dirty, sometimes even filthy. Wallowing in the mud of the world, in the garbage of the world. And when we come to church, it's time to take a bath. Not, or a hot, nice, steamy shower for you, shower people. <laughs> Makes no difference. What matters is that we get clean. And the Word of God does that. The Word of God cleanses us. The Word of God helps us. So when we walk out of here, praise God, I'm ready for another day. I'm ready to make it for another day. I'm ready to serve, serve whatever I need to do. Serve the Lord and make the right choices in my life. Because God wants to bless us. Do you believe that this morning? When you discern correctly, blessing comes. Jeremiah 29, 11, For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. We keep hearing the scripture. It seems we've heard this scripture so many times these past, past few months. Plans for, for, for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. 
So as we wind it down this morning, we come after the test, the examination, we examine, we look at ourselves, we discern godly discernment, not the worldly discernment, but what God says about us, and then we come to the judgment. Now we got to judge ourselves. Verse 31 and verse 32 of our text. But if we judged ourselves rightly, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are disciplined by the Lord so that we will not be condemned along with uh, the world. So allowing the world to expose those areas in our lives that need healing, asking the Lord for spiritual discernment, uh, and the Bible says it'll keep us from being judged by the world. Learn to judge ourselves. Say, you know what? I'm judging myself. This is, this is what's wrong. This is what needs to change. Uh, this is what you need to do. Because that's what a judge does, isn't it? He lays out uh, the judgment. He gives the sentence. And we need to do that to ourselves so that we don't get caught up later on by the judgment in the world Psalms 119 in verse 66. God can teach us good judgment. Teach us how to judge correctly. Psalms 119 verse 66. Teach me good judgment and knowledge. For I believe your commandments. Before I was afflicted, I went astray. But now I keep your word. God will show us through his word right and wrong. How to judge between good and evil. How many know the world doesn't do that? Doesn't know how to do that. We know the world calls good evil and evil good. We've seen that more and more now. And so you want good judgment for your children, for your marriage, for your own personal life? God will teach you how to judge correctly. And we're not talking about judging other people. Oh, good. No, I can judge them. God, give me wisdom because my brother-in-law, you know, he's a knucklehead. And I want to know how to deal with my sister-in-law. She, she just, you know, messed up. Or my husband or my wife. No, good judgment is for yourself, for ourselves. Teach me good judgment, God. In other words, not the world's judgment, but through your word. Luke 6, 37. Judge not that you be not judged. For with judgment you judge, this is what happens when you start judging other people, you'll be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. So why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is stuck in your own eye? Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you'll see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. So we need to what? Judge ourselves. Say, judge myself so that I won't judge everybody else. Because too many times we're busy about going to life judging people, judging this and judging that. No, no, no. The Word of God says... Take the, 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 the pole out of your own eye before you take that teeny little sliver out of your brother's eye. What are the results as our 
worship team makes their way this morning. Unity. When we learn to judge correctly, discern correctly, when we take the exam and we're being honest with ourselves, looking intently at God's word and what it shows us, there'll be unity in the body of Christ and unity in our lives with the Lord Jesus Christ. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 16, Again, Paul writes, the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? So at communion time, it's a time where we show unity, time of sharing, communing with our Savior as well as uh, with one another because it speaks about that later on in chapter 11 about making things right with someone who has offended you or if you have offended someone. And when we learn to do that, that brings unity. When we come to the altar and we judge ourselves, have God check inside through his Holy Spirit. And then it brings identity. Romans 6, 3. Did you forget that all of us became part of Christ when we were baptized? We shared his death in our baptism. So we identify with Christ as we take communion. This is the body of Christ. This is the blood of Christ. As the people of God, there's an identity. We identify with each other. And then, lastly, it brings maturity. When we learn to ex take the exam and we learn the right kind of discernment and we judge ourselves accordingly, you know what happens? We grow. We grow as Christians. We mature as the people of God. And that's so, so important. Hebrews 5.14, but solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to discern, that word discern, good and evil. So this sermon this morning, I'm sure, was ministered to mature men and women of God who were able to look through and look past garbage, excuses, scapegoating, whatever word you want to use, and say, here I am, the real me. Not like that lady who put on her wig and eyelashes and makeup, but just like the one that was out in the garden, all dirty, smelly, and sweaty. That's how we are. Our righteousness is as what? Pastor Lee ministered. As filthy rags, and we know what that translates to. And so this morning, as our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed,